0: you are listening to the Comic Book Informer podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your
1: host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer podcast. This is issue number 27 and I am, of course, Roger. Vince apparently has some dedication to his job, air quotes there, which is why he cannot join me today. And as you know, dedication to one's job makes you a terrible podcaster. It also causes him to miss out on absolutely fantastic interviews, Speaking of which, I'm very happy to have with me today Eisner nominee, hopefully soon to be Eisner winner, Janet Lee, who did the astounding work on Return of the Dapper Men. You can also catch her work in the five part miniseries Jane Austen's Emma. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time out, and congratulations on that Eisner nomination.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a uh, um that was surprising and humbling. To get for that to happen on on you know, this is um this is my first illustration work. So Well, that's
1: the thing. I mean, being yeah. that it's your first work in a graphic novel to get that Eisner nomination is an a huge accomplishment.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I'm 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 still pinching myself. Not sure it's real.
1: <laughs> Do you have that like that moment where you remember where you were when you first heard about it and how it felt?
0: Yeah, it was really, yeah. I think um, I think Jim, because Jim finds everything out first, is the one who <laughs> called me and was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, we've been nominated. And um, we pretty much geeked out on the phone for about an hour and couldn't sleep that night. And then, um, you know, at this point, it's just almost like it's not real.
1: Well, <laughs> so. it's not just that. I mean, it would have been one thing to get that call from him and he says, hey, guess what? You got nominated or even, hey, guess what? You got nominated and so did I. But I mean, yeah. you guys stole the freaking show or you're going to be. It's yeah. just it was one after another nomination. There were so many. So it really must have hit hard that, oh, my God. Yeah, we thought we were doing something special. But apparently other people think so as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of like the little book that could. I mean, we if you if you. I honestly the first conventions we went to I had to um sort of because you know jim being ex marketing person knows how to couch things really <laughs> well and um I had to almost listen to the way he was describing the book because it, it's really sort of a, a a challenging story it's not a standard story so you sort of um when you're describing it to people it, you know it's a it's a little um it's a little wacky so you know to 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 have People give a chance to a book that was um, sort of a sort of a long shot, sort of um, sort of outside the norm, but but something we believed really passionately in, and we really loved, um, is is just astounding. So,
1: and you're right. I I've brought up your book quite a few times on the podcast. I wrote the review about it, and I've been talking to people about it. And what I find inevitably each time is that it is it's different it's very difficult to classify it it's mm-hmm. not like you can say okay it's like this because I... quite frankly i've never read anything else like it before i mean i've read those type of fairy tale stories like the Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and things like that, where you can compare it to something like that. But in terms of an experience sitting down, reading, appreciating the um, the, the obvious amazing artwork and everything and how well everything worked together, again, it's. I said it in the 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 review that I wrote, and I know that it was mentioned during the, the foreword as well in the book, but it mm. is that magical kind of experience that for a moment will actually change you. If you are the type of person who, when you read something, allows yourself to get sucked into that world, then when you finish reading this, literally, I close the book and for those first few moments afterwards the world changes you're you're seeing it through different eyes and that is an amazing thing to be able to accomplish in any medium
0: oh well thank you you know I, you know and you know I of course being sort of in the middle of it Jim would you know he'd send me pages and it would sort of give me chills but you know I mean for, for me I guess you know, the first moment where I knew it was going to be really special he um he sent me the pitch and you know the the odd story of the um how it all came together is, is really true. He and I have been friends for so long and, and he based the story off of three pieces of artwork of mine that he'd seen. And, um, which is amazing. You know, yeah, it's bizarre. You? You, know, you, have to, you have to do character sketches cause you already know that the characters are right. It's really awesome. So, um, that part was cool, but he, but, but for him to send me the, what ended up being the start of the book, um, was, you know, it, it just I think I sent him a note back and said it's it's like Peter Pan meets Neil Gaiman meets you know, I I knew it was his idea was really, really special.
1: And, and to so. feel that your art had such an impact on somebody else that they would create something specifically for it. See, I my wife's an artist. So uh-huh. I've been around art now for 20 years, and we also have our own private art collection that mm-hmm. is growing, so we both appreciate art. But I get that little inside track on what it is when you're an artist kind of thing and how your art, if it influences somebody else, how great it feels because I get to see that joy in my wife. And yeah, so absolutely. I can yeah, imagine no, that's what it was for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely true. You know, I, I've always... Um, you know, I always considered myself sort of a, a, a narrative artist. I liked to do um, pictures that, that that maybe were like a part of a story, or made you think of a story, or maybe were a continuation of a story. And for um, for for Jim, and, and honestly, well, Jim and I've, I've had I've had two people now who've come up with stories based based on artwork. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. I know it's bizarre, <laughs> but um, but uh, but Jim was. Um, he actually wasn't the first, but he was, he was the the first one that, that really sort of made it happen. And, um, he, um, to have someone come up with a tale and and for it to work, you know, for it to work and not just work, but for, for pieces to sort of come together, um, is indescribable. It's, um, it's, it's, Um, It's like you're not toiling alone inside your own head all the time. It's actually communicating out to people.
1: Yeah, and Jim's work, I've said that as well. I am so impressed with Jim's work. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And see, whereas my wife's the the artist, I'm the writer. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate well-written pieces. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to go too long on that because this isn't an interview with him. Although, you know what? Talk (laughs) to him. Tell him I want him on the show. I I would love to talk to him. He's just Every time I was reading it, I was appreciating not just the story in and of itself and how wonderful it was, but each individual line was so perfectly crafted. So, again, combining that then with your illustrations, which fall under that same category, so perfectly crafted, it was made the book as a whole so amazing.
0: Well, thank you. I'm glad it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, but oh, Jesus. Yeah. Prior <laughs> to Dapper Men, you'd primarily just sold your work through galleries. N- making the jump from gallery artists to comic book artists, I mean, it's not something we see very often. Had had it not been for Jim in this book, had you been hoping to break into that industry or was it just a fluke? Uh,
0: well, you know, I, um, believe it or not, I was, um, art, art wasn't my full-time job. I was, uh, I have a day, I had a day job. I, I just recently left it, um. Congratulations. I was, thank you. It's, it's very nice to work from home. No um, kidding. I, I uh, was before that a, um, a a book buyer for um, a national book wholesale company, um, one of the largest in the U.S. And uh, so I was really familiar with books and had always, I, I, you know, I, because of that job, I had met quite a few um representatives from publishers, of course, and um, sometimes in galleries and had been told several times I needed to do illustration work, but I hadn't uh, hadn't actually done it yet. So um, you know, yes, it was an aspiration. It was certainly something I always intended to do. Um, but Jim was sort of the the kick in the pants that that made me, you know get off the stick and do it sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. And your art style is so very unique. I mean, it's something unlike, again, what I said, we I've never seen this in comic books. So let's actually touch on that because I'm sure that's what people want to know. I mean, it's a type of decoupage which has many stages. I mean, because unlike a lot of comic books, which has a penciler, an inker, a colorist with your style, it's you. (laughs) You Which gives you a lot more control over all aspects of art as well.
0: It does, you know. I, I sort of describe it as poor man's Photoshop. Um, I I can um, because I'm I'm sort of building. It's a little like um, an original collage. So because I'm I'm building the the piece itself, I can decide what what depths I want to do, how many layers of drawings I want to include. Um, you know, and, and a little like making soup, you know, you throw a dash of this in a flesh, throw a dash, pull something out if it's not working and you, um, it, it becomes a really organic process to come up with a page. Um, un- unlike, you know, when you're working with just traditional artboard, you have to plan a little bit more. For me, that feels more like baking where, you know, you have a recipe and it has to be down on the page a certain way. You can't make a whole lot of changes after the fact with the decoupage technique. Um, you know, if, if you, if you make a mistake, you glue another component over the part where you made a mistake. (laughs) If it's, uh, if it's something that you put too much in, you take a little back and take it off. And, um, and you can sort of craft the page a little more, probably, um, you know, you would think it takes longer, but for some reason, I, I guess I'm, I just work that way more naturally. So it takes me about the same amount of time as a, as a artboard page, but, um, but I, you know, it's just a different way of looking at, at constructing the page. And, and, and that told you nothing about how I constructed a page. Which, but- <laughs> which is what I'm
1: actually going to get to then. <laughs> because it is, uh, again, I finished reading the book, and I kind of yeah. took a moment there for, because you have to, and let some of it soak in. And then when I turned over to the end and saw the feature on you, it was just like finding a gem. It was a, that pearl. and It was like, oh, fantastic. And then reading about the process, again, having been with my wife who does Many different types uh, of anything she can. I mean, she she taught herself all manner of different styles and everything. So yeah. I've seen her mess around with a lot of different things just to have fun. And yeah. so when I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, my God, she would love this. And it's such an interesting concept, too, especially when you're thinking of it in terms of, again, graphic novel or or comic book. It's just so different than, and w- whereas everybody else is going towards the digital way with their mm-hmm. Wacom tablets and everything, you're just going backwards and it's proving yeah. to be more effective.
0: Well, you know, I, and, and I, I do have a Wacom tablet. I, I just don't love drawing on it as much <laughs> as I love drawing physically. So, you know, I, I can do this, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think there's, at least, at least in, in some types of illustration, I think there's a bit of a movement toward handcrafted. And I just happen to get in on the, the, the cusp of that right now. I'm sure it'll swing other ways at different times. And, and, you know, and I'm not averse to putting some digital components into a piece if it, if it needs it, but I just, um,
1: There's something about getting your hands dirty.
0: There is. There's something about just building it and having it be an actual thing. And I think that's one of the the funniest things: going to um, conventions and and having people be astounded that that this page actually exists. That this, as it as it is in the book, there it is, existing in a physical media. Um, It drives home how how little we see that anymore.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I can equate that to just to take a brief moment to say, I understand when I was putting out some of my books earlier, one of the ones that Mm -hmm. I put out, I actually crafted it, a a hardcover from scratch myself. Yeah, I love those. Each book took three to four hours to do. Mm -hmm. And so I lost tons of money and time, but it was the process of actually being so in charge of every single aspect of how that finished book looks. And that's what this is for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, um, I I love handmade books. I love the entire, you know, I, I, I love what you can do with them and the textures that you can get with them. So um, it's never you never make your money back on that type of thing. But it's so much fun to just to just build it and know. So, yeah.
1: And You've been Absolutely. selling some of your finished pages as well. So you are luckily Have. making some. I am
0: yes yes I have I have broken even everything is good so that's awesome oh
1: man, you know I it's yeah. uh, I was looking at what you have available because to hang one of these pages on my wall oh my God I would be in heaven they are that <laughs> amazing and again to oh, to you. think that you know a a page from a comic book is something that you would not only hang on your wall but proudly hang on your wall that says a lot <laughs> so I, I'll let you actually run the folks through the actual process what it is that sure. you do.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I, some of this is, is a little trial and error, um, because Archaea, fabulous people that they are, just let me do whatever I wanted to do. They, they <laughs> didn't put any limits on it. That's they awesome. didn't say, you know, don't do it this way. So, um, so what I have been doing in gallery work for years and, and what I did for this book is, um, is a decoupage process. What I'll do is I will, um, start usually with a a piece of bristol vellum which pretty much everybody uses anyways and then i will um for a sequential page just like you normally would figure out where the panels are where the panel spacing is and go ahead and block it out and and draw um portions of it however usually what i'll do is um i'll cut out the um the boundaries for the panels and the foreground images in the panels and then um, we'll use a second piece of paper i will actually cut out cut those out so that it's like this big um almost i don't i don't even know what to call it it's almost like lace it's got little pieces out of the entire page and then i'll take a, a lighter weight of paper um, and draw the backgrounds that I want to have for inside of the page itself. So um, then when it comes time to construct the page, I'll paint or, you know, if I want more texture, I'll add pieces of old books or um, picture, little pictures I've drawn, paint over them to get some really good texture in there, glue down the background pieces um, and then glue over the actual panel borders and the foreground panels for the piece um, and varnish the entire thing and take it to the scanner. And that's what ends up happening. At some pages, Jim's really good about giving me a lot of splash pages. So, So for some of them that were a little more... I guess artistic, you know, like the, the yin yang birds on page 15, Jim said, you know, I, I I want this to be like a gallery piece. I want this to be what you would normally do. Just art nouveau. That's all I want you to know. Just go with it. Yeah. Just, you know,
1: yin yang
0: and, but we actually had a little argument about that page because I had to cut the bird's wings. They wouldn't normally in, in life fold that way. And he was like, it's a robot bird. It'll do. Just cut <laughs> the wings. Just let it go. Um, and later on in the book, there's a the page where, um, one of the characters, um, is, is breaking things. Um, uh, 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 not to spoilers, but he's, he's breaking, he's, he's breaking gears down underground. And, um, Jim's only description was, you know, Aiden, Aiden's very upset and, and he starts destroying the underground city. And um, I, I called him and said, you know, I feel like this piece is a homage to a Soviet era protest poster. And he said, go for it. So if you look at it, he, it's Aiden swinging a, um, an umbrella and it completely mimics some Soviet era Um, Posters that that we had. Oh, I got it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) How
1: awesome is that?
0: So, yeah, (laughs) he just would let me do whatever I wanted to do. So it was great. But, But a lot of it has to do with just gluing down layers and gluing in pieces of gears and adding and subtracting until until it works
1: which is still i mean you're talking time wise it still is a painstaking process i mean yes it's obviously a labor of love but once you start tacking on us also your coloring with with the markers and yeah. the multi-layer coloring with the markers you're looking at a process that is quite lengthy still
0: no it's really i'm really pretty fast at it um and i don't know if it's just because the subject matter comes faster there was one terrible, terrible week toward the end that I hope to never have to replicate in life again, (laughs) where I actually managed to finish 10 pages in one week. And that was horrifying. I never want to have to do that again. But, but normally speaking, I can do like four or five pages a week comfortably. Um, so that, you know, I, it, it, it takes a while, but you know, with Emma, I'm penciling, inking and coloring everything too, just not cutting out. So, um, you know, it 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 takes it doesn't take me appreciably that much longer to do the decoupage than it does to to do regular panels so
1: so how are you finding it staying on schedule with emma then i was going to be bringing that up
0: oh yeah absolutely well it's um you know it it's it's a whole different ball game It part of the reason why i had to leave the day job but thank goodness um was to was to work on uh emma and it's been a great it's been great um you know, there are days when you're when you're working 17 hours a day, but <laughs> uh, there are days when you can go to your kids field day. So it's it's all cool. I'm um, So far, so good. Everything's been on time and we're. Um, We're finishing up. I'm I'm working on the final issue right now. So
1: and like whereas a piece like Dapperman can come wholly from your imagination, something like Emma actually requires research, um, as would any like period piece film would like in order to make sure that the costumes and set designs are accurate. And like I'm no historian, but I was studying over everything from the coat suits and bonnets to the window drapes and wallpaper. And it all felt as if you'd researched it quite intricately.
0: I have a secret weapon. I have a girlfriend who is a um, costume history teacher, so she brought <laughs> me over all of her books, and um, that and googling wallpaper samples is incredibly helpful. So I, I, you know, hopefully it's it's pretty darn close. I think there are some times when I drifted into more like the William Morris. Era, as opposed to early 18th century, but um, but Nancy Butler, who is the writer, also um, has written so much during the Regency period that she's very good about reminding things like, um, you know, the hat is is a little casual for a dinner party or whatever, and um, she's she's really good about sort of keeping keeping a good eye on that sort of thing for me to make sure I haven't I haven't drifted too far off
1: well it it appears to be working because much like yourself and Jim you two seem to be doing a fantastic job here the writing is great and then the the artwork again it's one of those where as much as I Adore your artwork, it's not going to fit everywhere. It's not, you can't see an X-Men series with this, you know, but where it does fit, it appears to be that perfect fit to really make the series shine and this appears to be something like that.
0: Well, I'm glad they gave me a chance. I'm I'm a, a huge Jane Austen fan, and I probably sent Marvel the geekiest email known to man, <laughs> asking if they would consider me at some point for some piece of Jane Austen somewhere. And um, so far, so good. Uh, you know they they gave me Emma, and I think Emma too is sort of a a really bright, cheerful stories. I mean, at large, I mean she's not a she's not a dark, tortured heroine by any stretch of the imagination. So um, since my my coloring tends to be kind of bright anyways. I think it, it's worked out well. Um, I've been very happy with it so far and, and, uh, and they have been too. So thank goodness it's all working. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the way Emma's turned out. It's, uh, um, you know, to, to have gone from, Never having done a book before, I feel like I kind of jumped in the deep end and had to learn how to swim really quickly, but it's so much fun now that I know how.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then like you were talking with the art style, the the, the color palette and whatnot used with that is different. Uh, I noticed very much when I was reading the free comic book day comic that came out, which was your piece was sandwiched in between the Dark Crystal and the Mouse Guard stories. And I won't lie to you. I had no idea it was in there. So I was oh, flipping yeah. three reading after I'd come to, back from the comic with my son and it my heart leapt it was like oh my god what is this (laughs) and that was season of the dapper men and um just like return of it's the that same touching tale with the same characters only much later on and i loved returning to anarev and then and seeing that different color palette where there's that change in season now and it's that winter landscape and it made me again appreciate the art style so much because it was, it was so different and yet so similar and it really worked. It looked beautiful.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm really proud of those pages. I think that, um, the free comic book day piece and, and the work we're doing now with time of the Dapper Men, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it, it does, time does have a bit more of a, um, a, a purposeful palette change. I mean, we we paid really close attention to color choices in Return of the Dapper Men. What I had wanted to do with that one was to to sort of start out almost in more of a sepia toned. Um, the, the world had stopped, so so color was much more stopped, and then to introduce color as the Dapper Men showed up and. Um, time is just a different thing entirely because we've only ever seen one day. We've only ever seen one season in that world. And now to have, um, snow scenes and scenes where, you know, where, where new characters and we're, and we're running through the snow or we're in a forest in snow time, you know, drifting on into, into springtime and things like that. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to sort of play with a new tone to a new book um, using, using the palettes to do it.
1: And how is time coming along? Is it basically you're done your arc for it now or is it still being worked on?
0: Still being worked on. Um that's that's just the way Jim and I roll. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, well we'll be working on it throughout the summer too. And you know, and it, it's uh it's something we really wanted to do right. Um coming off of of the success of Return of the Dapper Man. Um no pressure. you know, exactly. And you you don't you don't want to um you don't want to you don't want to do something that's not a worthy follow-up for it. So you know, it's it's been um, it's been something that that Jim and I have talked a lot about and um, have have just sort of you know been been developing it. And we'll we'll be working on it through the end of the summer, but um, but due in stores in November. So um, it's 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 looking good so far.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely cannot wait. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh my Excellent. god. This, cannot wait. Now, before I let you go, though, we do have to talk about something. You talked about how Jim was influenced by your work, but he's not the first one.
0: No. We have
1: to talk talk about garden gnomes. Not just any variety (laughs) of garden gnomes, but mad scientists garden gnomes. You have to tell us about this because I saw this in your bio, laughed hysterically, hit up Google because I had to you know, find out more. And how many Diaries of a Mad Scientist Garden Gnome entries are you going to find on on Google? Which landed me on Princess Contus's live journal site. Yes. And I started reading about that. So I'm going to let you explain this. <laughs> well,
0: Alethea Contis was also a buyer at, at the same place I was for a while. We've been friends forever. And she, um, she is a writer. She uh, written a children's book, two children's books, um, Alpha Oops and um, Alpha Oops Halloween. I can't remember what it's called now. I'm sorry, Alethea. And, uh, and she also had written a, um, a companion for Sherilyn Kenyon's books that had hit the New York Times. So I mean, she's, she's an accomplished writer. And, um, every year for Christmas, uh, for the gallery I work at, I make Christmas ornaments and the Christmas ornaments, um, sort of expanded to the place where I could not make them all myself. So I started having Christmas gulag every year where we invite friends and family over and make soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. And everybody works all day on helping to glue together several hundred ornaments that go out. And at one of those trips, um, I was doing a lot of gnome Christmas ornaments. And Alethea came in and said, you know what I need? I need a Dr. Horrible Christmas ornament for Christmas. So I made her one really quickly. And out of this Christmas ornament, she came up with an entire idea for a story called Diary of a Mad Scientist Garden Gnome.
1: Which it I read was, and it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> it
0: is hilarious. It is amazing. And she um she serialized it on Twitter and I did not, you know, this was this was my first time doing a, a, a scheduled serialized thing and I did not keep up with it completely. So we don't have an image for every single tweet, but I think I only missed a couple of them. And um Basically ended up making a series of about 30 little ornament sized pictures that corresponded with the daily tweets for Diary of a Mad Scientist Garden Gnome. that I'm actually in the process of compiling into a handmade book for a friend who um, who bought all of the images, and I'm thinking before we let it go to her completely, I'm just going to scan it in so that we can have it up and let people either see it all together. Or maybe even print out little copies I, that people can get. Because I want
1: one. I, did, I want one. I'm not joking. If you're going to do that, please email me. I, I feel, want I'll one. I'll
0: do it. I'll do it. Because it was, you know, it's one of those things that she's been so patient. We did this thing, I guess, two years ago, maybe three years ago. And 2009. Kitty is, 2000. Oh, gosh. It's 2009. Been long. Yeah god and um so kitty was um kitty's been very patiently waiting for me to have time to finish making this handmade book for her but um but that was so much fun to do yeah you want wackiness you want you know (laughs) sock monkeys attacking with zombie sock monkeys with garden gnomes and um and and you
1: and you we got a stone (laughs) fountain fairy janet (laughs)
0: Yes, we do. Janet, the stone fountain fairy, who um, just goes and borrows sugar from the Gnome <laughs> all the time. Yeah, and and uh, it was just um, it was a hoot. It was a lot of fun. I um I hope to, Alethe and I have have another one. She um, ended up writing text for a uh, Alice in Wonderland ABC book that I pulled together for uh, an art show. Believe it or not, um, that that has been making the rounds in New York. Has not found a home yet, but we may we may yet see publication together another time
1: so your Alice in Wonderland actually I'm looking at them on your Etsy account and yeah. they're gorgeous they're absolutely beautiful as is everything else on there too so oh. I'll make sure to put those oh. links up so that people can see it as well oh, I'll
0: clean it up before <laughs> before yes. you release
1: and add more because I'm okay. serious. I, I, I'm I going to be picking up something. So I'd like to look okay. through and see what you have. We'll do. And, I do have more. You got to give me a sale price on a Dapperman page. I just, <laughs> Most- a, fr- a friends and family <laughs> discount of some okay. sort.
0: All right. We'll talk. That'll be fine.
1: Because <laughs> it's just, it, I and I want to end the, the interview on this too, because it, it's, it's all well and good to tell someone that you appreciate what they did and all that. But many times, uh, whether it's an artist or writer, Someone will say, you know, this was great. Thanks for, for, or I shouldn't say thanks. I'll say this was great, but you don't get that thanks. And I think that it's important for, for people to thank creative people so that when you're creating something that amazing, that, that has the potential to change your life, even for just a, a brief moment, to, to take a moment and say, you know what? Thank you for taking the time to do that. It was a huge risk. You did it. And you know what? We appreciate it.
0: Well, thank and thank you guys. Thank everyone for for reading it and for for um, giving it a chance. And, you know, I, I can't tell you and, and everyone else who's, who's appreciated it, how much it means to Gemini that um, that that our story that meant so much to us meant so much to other people also.
1: Indeed. OK, thanks for taking the time for coming thank out. You. I do appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Roger. We have a new dog in the house, so hopefully he will not bark, but otherwise (laughs) should be fine.
1: That's par for the course with us. If you listen to the podcast, inevitably there's always one of my mutts starts barking, which may very well happen during this interview.
0: Good. Perfect. Then we'll be on the same page. So between Cicada and the dogs, we'll be all right.
1: There you go. And if I screw up the start, which is quite likely to happen, let's be honest. (laughs) Because whenever you're on the spot is when you screw it up. Don't worry, I've got a recorded uh-huh. of it. We'll just breeze through it as if it didn't happen.
0: No worries.
1: And I had to do another recording because heaven forbid I put one up of me screwed up because Vince would never let me forget it. So <laughs> that's what happens when you work with somebody else. They nitpick right. every time you screw up.
0: Right, well, you know. I don't know Before if it was up. like that with you and Jim. No, no. You know the good news about me and Jim was we um, we had known each other for so long that he probably he's just so sweet. You know he probably <laughs> did do that, but you know he probably. But he always so gently lets you know you screwed up. But you just you feel good about it at the end of the day. So
1: see, but you that's know, because all all right. that's because you're a woman. <laughs> we won't do that to women. We will razz a man to no end if we make him cry. It's a good day. But not with a woman. You got to be nice to a woman. Be a gentleman.
0: Well, I don't. Jim's pretty nice to everyone, so he might not be like that. But I don't know. But those, uh,
1: those are the closet bastards, though. That's that's. Okay. That's what. Well, he can
0: be. He can't. You know. He he can he can do a little razzing in in the back. We know in in private (laughs) alone. It's all good.